listening to episode 212 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss the unaired pilot of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse, starring Eliza Dushku and Olivia Williams. How you doing? And uh, before you even tell me, we are both thankful that we're doing a lot better than the people down in Texas and, and Louisiana. Yeah, I hope... Uh you know, just our best prayers and wishes going out to all these people because, yeah, that's uh, that's that's really a terrible thing that's going on down there. Oh, it really is. And then the heroism of the first responders and the people that really aren't first responders but are responding anyway, uh, God bless them. Yep. So, all right, well. We want to remind you, as always, like to hear from you. We've got uh, some listener feedback this week. You can check us out at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clips and the MP3 as an attachment or send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. And I ruined it for Mr. Keller again this week with his live action thread i'm thinking like dude it's like 45 minutes after it aired yeah. i thought this was a live yeah it, it was wasn't it i mean i wasn't because uh, i i can't even sit down to the television until like 10 o'clock so um i wasn't able to get on there when it was the thread was actually happening but um it looked like people were reacting to it as it was going on you know yeah, so. my, my thing is is if like especially watching like a show like Game of Thrones, like I, I wouldn't be on the computer at all. Like if especially if I was behind, like you know, like I'm sorry, Michael, I just gotta put that out there though. You know, like like you got sometimes we just gotta step away from social media, and if you want to be spoiler free, yeah, and you know, look, I, I, everybody's different. I, I don't get the live tweeting thing, which is huge with a lot of shows. Winona Earp for one. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, I want to step away from my computer and just focus on the episode, especially Game of Thrones that has no commercials. You know, I can I can see sure. when you've got a four minute break, right? You know, typing something out, but whatever they enjoy it, we we can provide that for everybody. And uh, you know, now the dark matter and Winona Earp. No, what was the other one? Uh, Killjoys Kill is going to end this week, right? So Dark Matter ended, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do next for their live discussion. Threads. Oh, that was but, it for Dark Matter? Yeah, that I was have, it. I haven't watched Kill- it yet, because I, I was out of town all weekend, so. Okay. Killjoys you watch also, right? Yeah, but I haven't watched okay. either of those yet, so like, yeah, let's not... Uh, no, okay, no. the season finale is this week. Okay. And the season finale for Dark Matter was last week? Correct. Gotcha. So... All right, let's hear what Davia Archibald had to say. She sent us in an email. I've really enjoyed your reviews of the episodes. I've seen both seasons of the series, and it's really turned me off Whedon after having loved Buffy and Angel. I watched it after its initial airing and would have stopped if I didn't know it was only two short seasons. I'll try to stick to the first season with this email. That being said, I think the show should have centered around Sierra, given what we find out about her. I never accepted that Caroline was there because she was an animal rights activist. I hated that the show chose to show the administration, Adele, Topher, etc., as good guys doing the best they can. They were slavers who could never earn my sympathy. The show was really hurt by all the early stories being what John was the doll rented to this week, too many prostitute stories, 
I have to say I never cared for any of the clients. If someone needed to be a slave for them to get better, then the client probably didn't deserve to get better. (laughs) When I look back on the show, it's the stories of Sierra and Whiskey that stick in my mind and also the twist of Void. The series never really saw these as important stories and was more interested in the story of the technology. It needed to be judgmental about the creators and victims of the technology. The twists related to Melly, November, Boyd, Whiskey became annoying eventually. Who do you care for and why care? And as for Caroline, played by Eliza Dushku, she was not a good character to center a show around. The actress Eliza was good, unfortunately didn't a show after Buffy fully utilized her talents. She wasn't given enough time to develop Caroline for the viewers, and there wasn't a real character variety for the doll she was asked to play. So this is the rant I've been meaning to send you guys for a few weeks. P.S. I'm happy to hear you'll be covering Travelers on its Canadian airing schedule. Be ever wonderful. And thank you, as always, Davia. So uh, I I really have to agree with virtually everything she says. Uh, The only thing, I do think it was important for them to explore the dangers of the technology and the people that had it and were controlling it. Yes, absolutely. And and again, I I absolutely agree with everything she said. You know, I, and again, you might not think it's enough, but like, as we talked about with um, Epitaph one, we, you know, we see the, you know, the consequences of their actions. Like it's not like DeWitt and Topher get off scot-free. You know, they, and, and you would probably might say they don't suffer consummate with the evil they have perpetrated, um, but they do suffer. You know, they do, they are punished. They are, they do experience the consequences of, of what they've done, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, as we said, probably on a week to week basis, that, that Topher is clearly not a likable character. I mean, we like the fact that he's funny. We like right. the fact that Joss gives him the majority of the snappy dialogue. But as for feeling sympathy for him, as you said, and as Davia points out, we really don't feel anything for him. No. And, and when we and see really him this- mentally broken down, it's like, we don't say, oh, what a tragedy. We say, well, he totally deserved that, actually. you know, Right. And the way they present DeWitt you know, with her sophisticated demeanor, you know, it, it's easy to forget that we really shouldn't like her as opposed to, as she points out, that if they built the show around Sierra and Dr. Saunders, well, those are a lot more likable characters. But on the other hand, maybe that's what Joss wanted to do. Just he, he wanted us to despise these characters for what it is they're doing. Yeah, true, true. But you know, I, I kind of have to take issue with Caroline not being a good. Well, I guess maybe I'd say maybe Caroline's not the best character, but Echo was a great character. I think it was you know like Eliza Dushku in Echo was uh, did a really good job of being the center of that show because even though Caroline starts taking over um, in season two and everything, I think really it's still she's never Caroline. Caroline. She's always Echo. She always has those other memories running around inside her head and stuff. Right. And and I guess the one issue that I would bring up that I think she does bring up is the reason that Caroline agrees to sign up for the dollhouse. 
it's not like that other guy in the episode that that you know he killed his friend Sam. and all that, and he was facing right Sam, and he was facing a murder rap. I mean, she's not facing a murder rap. She didn't kill anybody. I mean, certainly she's probably looking at several years in prison. Although you never know with a good lawyer in our justice system, right? Who the heck knows? But yeah, that that's a little bothersome. But you know, it is what it is, I guess. But but the fact that Caroline never gets a chance to develop, I, I guess maybe she's referring to an approach like Lost took. Mm-hmm. Where each episode really went back right. and looked at that character. Sure, sure. You know, what what led her to become such an activist? Right, right. Yeah, and, good point. And maybe at some point we would have really gotten to see really what it was that forced her in her own mind, yeah, to sign up for the dollhouse. Yeah, yeah I, I just I don't now that I think about it, I just don't really remember a lot about season two, but I think it, it did go back. Right, we see a lot of Caroline. And do do you remember? I don't, but I pulled my discs out. I'm gonna, even though we're not gonna talk about it, I'm gonna keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's on Netflix too, so I can I can go through and watch. But but yeah, like I, yeah, I can't really remember. But I think they they did touch on like some of the the backstory for, for Caroline and, and how she ended up in the dollhouse. But uh, but yeah, you know, like Sierra was no, well, she just always played like the coolest parts, right? Like the like you know the suave, you know. Um, Except for the one time she was like the groupie, but other times she was, you know, like the the expert who came in and, you know, like had to solve the problem or something. So, Sure. And, and again, Dr. Saunders may, in fact, be the most complex character in the show. So, yeah. And it's not that we didn't see a lot of her. I mean, we did. But, but I think, you know, her point is that maybe it would have been a good idea to center the show around them. And... Unfortunately, we'll never know, although I say that, and uh, I, I look at some of the shows that networks are rebooting. Roseanne, are you effing kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, Full House, right? Well, well, I almost get that, but not really. What about and our boy, Eric McCormick? I know. Man? I, you know, I said to my wife uh, a couple days ago that, you know what, I'm okay because he probably didn't make a boatload of money doing Travelers, so he does a season of Will and Grace, and then he can come back and make two, three, four, however many seasons of Travelers, and yeah, that's a good trade-off for me. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, let's take a listen. Let's take a look at the episode that was entitled Echo, which never aired. It's only yeah, on the DVD set. Uh, yeah well okay i was going to ask you what you thought but i thought all right this week i'll go first oh, but <laughs> but first of all before we even get into that canon or not Definitely i not. say no no way yeah right because it, it really wasn't part of the show so for instance as we analyze this episode as we do on a week-to-week basis we're looking at it a little differently because stuff really doesn't matter but right away you understand why the network told joss no right you know i was so prepared to watch this and be up in arms and just be like yeah, Fox, it just shows you they're a bunch of knuckleheads they suck they're always crushing great art and everything and i watch this i'm like Oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, th- this is... <laughs> Thank God this never aired. This show wouldn't have lasted two episodes if they aired that pilot. And 
And you have to wonder because in retrospect, we know the pilot that Joss put together and, and eventually did air. But I think for me, the, the big thing about this episode that strikes me right away, and as teachers, I mean, this is certainly something that, that we are concerned with, show me, don't tell me. Right. And instead of letting the details of the dollhouse unfold organically, it's almost as if we have the characters telling us every step of the way. And I guess I would contend that the audience is smart enough to put the pieces together, which is what, in fact, happened. You know, I mean, when we look at the pilot that aired, you know, it's the one where it opens and she's on the motorcycle and they're racing through the streets. And, and obviously she was this guy's date for a party. And, and of course, it's that kind of an engagement that Davia was referring to. But then it morphs into her being the hostage negotiator. So it doesn't take us long to figure out what's going here with the dollhouse. You you show us you know, we can pick up on that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the other thing is just the look of it visually. Yeah. It just, it just was, it had this flat look Very to it. I don't even unpolished. know how to describe it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like I, I was wondering, is that, is that because it just never went like if, the, if it, this had gone further into production, would it have been looked better? Cause you're right. It didn't, it looked like, like a student film. I, I mean, not really, but it, you know, it, it, it was clunky. The pacing was awful. The, I can't believe Joss Whedon wrote it because like the dialogue was trite. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. You like, just like you said, it's, it's almost hard to believe Joss wrote this. Yeah. But now I mentioned last time when we talked about epitaph one, that, that, I thought a number of the scenes were recycled, and, and of course they were, uh, mm-hmm. and, and ended up in Epitaph 1. And I think there might have been a scene that ended up in another episode as well, but I forgot to write that down. But, um, you know, we'll talk about some of the things that, that we see in this episode. But DeWitt says right away, an active is the truest soul among us. And this is in the opening monologue. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> now, again, this is one of the first things she tells us. And obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight, having seen all of season one and and all of the flaws in, in the whole concept here. And obviously, as Davia pointed out in her email, but an active is the truest soul among us. Yeah. Wow. Not, Just not good. Heavy-handed much? (laughs) Well, like you said, I mean, like, show, don't tell, right? And this just told, told, told. You know, it's like beating us over the head. Here's what the dollhouse is. Here's what the actors are like. Here's the process. Like, boom, we're showing you verbatim, you know, like, not verbatim, but, you know, like very, you know, straightforward in in a prosaic manner um, rather than having you collect this information by gathering the bits we give you throughout, which is what they ended up doing. Right. Uh, but they did give it to us almost rapid fire. And we certainly talked a lot during the course of these podcasts about the dollhouse being able to do good for people, not just giving them what they need, as DeWitt would say. 
so we see uh, Echo trying to save a a girl who's in with this bad guy, probably pimping her out, putting her on drugs. And, and, you know, we see her through the course of the episode really being with that girl, standing with her on the road to recovery. So we do get that. But then the next thing we see her at a wedding talking to the bride before dancing with the bride's ex. And, and I guess this is just, again, one of these guy needs a date to a wedding. So he goes to the dollhouse. Now, now, this must be uh, Joel Miner and have a boatload of money to be able to pay dollhouse fees for a date to the yeah. wedding. But yeah, well, I mean, all the what? yeah, all these guys who who go there, they are. And again, like as Davy said, does that mean do we, you know, are we on this guy's side? Hey, he, you know, this is the girl who dumped him. He shows up with a super hot date who's really into him. Good for him. No, he's an a hole. He's a complete and utter trash as a human being because you know and like it makes us even think less of him so this guy got dumped by a girl so he slaves out a girl he's gonna pro he's gonna have sex with this girl which without her consent all to fulfill his little inferiority complex like so no this guy isn't funny he's not cool he's not in any kind of way um a uh, you know someone that we we would care about at all you know Right. And from a morality aspect, certainly that's what we want to see out of the scene. But I guess what bothered me was the uh, the emphasis from the bride. And I forget whether it was her her groom or her friend, but talk just just was, several times. God, I can't believe she's with him. Right. Right. And uh, you know, the, the bride actually ends up looking like she's annoyed. Like this guy, Richard, is one. He's kind of like, you know, he obviously came here with the. I'm going to show you that I am fine without you. Um, what was he? Why was he? If I, I'm not sure why he was invited to the wedding in the first place, actually. But well, <laughs> there is that issue. But uh, you know, and like her irritation with the friend who keeps mentioning it. I mean, I'd be irritated just be like, shut up! I don't care. Like, you know, chill out. But she like really seems irritated. Like she might be annoyed that. You know, oh, I let this guy get away. But no, darling, you're super lucky because that guy's a complete tool. And that's probably why you broke up with him in the first place. And you have to hold on to that. Just because he shows up your way with a hot chick doesn't make him any less of a tool. Right. This isn't uh, four weddings and a funeral where they sit Hugh Grant at a table with all of his ex-girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So then, then we see her speaking Spanish, consummating a drug deal with these cartel members. I got to say, I, I did like that scene. That scene was good. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. question. Um, but again, but then we why? See why? What? What's if? Why? Why is it there? Why? You know, like except what? to show the different facets of being a doll. But like, there's really the overall. What's like? Well, when I try to think, what the is the overall story of this episode? I mean that's a good question, right? What is the what is the focus here? What's what's this episode about? Right. Well, I guess what he's trying to do is these are all the things that the dollhouse can provide. Right. But there's no okay. story. Like so the actual pilot or the actual first episode had an actual plot, right? A narrative exactly. that we reveal things throughout the the plot. This had no plot. It was just a bunch of vignettes, I guess, to show us here's what the dollhouse is. To set up the whole series. Right, which I could see if it was used to sell the concept 
to Fox, but not as an actual pilot. Right, right. Which that's what you could say. I could see the people of Fox saying, you know, you've got a pretty cool concept here. The episode is awful, but I, we like the idea. Go back, rewrite, show me what you can do with a real episode that people are going to want to watch the next episode after that. Now, we recognize that client that DeWitt's talking to from Epitaph 1. And, and again, in this scene, she's laying out the whole dollhouse concept and details. And Well, we recognize them because they took that footage and they used it in Epitaph 1. Right? <laughs> exactly. All right. So then we see Ballard with Lubov. You know, at that party, and you know the Lubov, tie of the Russian I mob. Remember what his name is, right? Okay. And and I think this is the same footage that's in the pilot. Yes, it's yeah, and, it's the same scene. Yes, right. So Ballard understands from the start that all the technology ends up getting abused. I'm like, okay, okay. But then we're introduced to Sierra wearing a pink suit that looks like something Jackie O would have worn in the '60s, but she's got that cut on her head. Right. And, you know, again, we're introduced to Dr. Saunders taking care of her. Right. Go into, like, great pains not to show her face. So I don't know. Because, I mean, Amy, Amy Aker, Amy Acker. Acker. Amy Acker is, was, is, is and was a famous actress. So, I mean, we saw her name in the credits. So I don't know why they're, like, hiding her. And it's not like her face is, is so grotesque that we're like, oh, my God. It's like like this big shock. Um, but yeah, they go to pains to like, you know, hide her face and to keep her in shadows until, you know, further on in the episode. Well, I kind of like that. It, and, and then I also noticed, at least it seemed to me that the scars were not as pronounced as they become, you know, with the pilot that actually did air. Really? I thought they were more pronounced than this Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, well, we do have, it, it appears that this is Sierra's first day. I think there was something that led me to think that, but we've got that scene where she sits with Echo at lunch and we're introduced to that whole ideology of, are you your best? Right. Now, was that in the pilot or was that in like episode two? Well, see, I'm not sure about that. I'd, I'd that have one to go I wasn't back sure. and look. I mean, I know it was in a previous episode or, or they made it into one of the episodes. I'm just... Not sure which one, because here's the thing, like, I remember when we were talking about this, like, that I kind of made a big deal out of how Echo, like, nods for her to join her, which in the the actual series, I can't remember what had happened before, but we, we start to think that that Echo is starting to retain some of her memories. So with uh, this kind of knowing, like, hey, sit down. To me, I took it like, oh, that that's like a little bit of the, the light shining through there. That's Caroline a little bit there. Um, but as it was in this episode, now it just looks like just she she was just saying, come sit down. Which maybe it was yeah. that was the whole thing in the first place. But, you know, I attached much more importance to it when I saw that little movement uh, as the, you know, during the actual series. Well, you know, and also in that scene – Sierra mentions about being her best and Echo asks her, are you your best? Which to me showed a lot of insight that you wouldn't think a doll would have. Right. Okay. Right. Now, the other interesting thing that that comes out uh, of this episode that that I don't think we saw anywhere else, Topher's concerned because Echo, Victor, and Sierra are grouping. You know, Topher mentions that they volunteered and Boyd says, so we're told. 
Right. I mean, it's certainly something that we've kind of talked a, a little bit here and there, but that kind of implies that maybe some of these people were forced into it, or as I think you contended a lot during the course of the podcast, there's volunteering and then there's volunteering. Right. So not sure what Boyd meant, but I did find it interesting. But that whole idea, did they know what they were signing up for? I mean, does DeWitt tell these people during the course of this five years, people are going to be having sex with you a lot? Right. Um, who, who knows? Who knows? Because we don't see, you know, we don't, we don't really see anyone signing up for it. So we don't know how much they know about the, you know, the actual what's going to go on. And, and, you know, November, we see November getting released, you know, and it's not like the first thing she says is, man, I just, God, I'm just aching down there. You know, like what the hell has been going on? You know, or anything like that. She's just like, Oh wow. It just seems like yesterday. Well, see ya. Bye-bye. You know, like, well, and then Topher kind of crystallizes it all for better or for worse cutting edge science in a house full of hot chicks right and and i mean again that's topher and it's the little kid in him i mean obviously he's a brilliant scientist but uh, still yeah and you know so there's actually one thing because that that the you know because the topher boyd dynamic there is obviously in both they they work it really hard in, in this uh, episode, uh, but we see it throughout the actual series. But I like the line where you know Topher calls Boyd his man friend, and Boyd says, "Don't call me that." And Topher's like, "We're not friends." And he says, "We're not men." I'm like, "Oh, well, that's a good line there." You know, like there weren't a lot of good zingers like that, but that was a pretty good line. Oh God, now you got me thinking about Westworld. So oh, yeah, men. right. We're uh, not men. What are we? Well, I, yeah, I, I know. I, know. <laughs> I think even like what we're doing is is not cool. But yeah, he's part of it, you know. So, right. Well, you know, we see that scene recycle with Ballard at the FBI getting teased by the other agents. You know, the middle envelope with "Keep looking on it" and and you know asking Loomis. You know, we also get that scene where we recognize that Luboff is actually an active who goes by the name of Victor, but then. The big change here, and I, I want to ask you about this. Uh, okay. Calls Ballard for the setup scene in the garage. Right. Where, where he gets beaten in the pilot that actually airs. Right. But here it's Caroline in the garage. Yes. Going by the name of Charlotte Vickers. And he tells her that someone sent him her picture. So what I'm getting at is they have Caroline shoot him rather than the mob guys so what do you think about that i just thought this was just i mean i see why this was rewritten it was just like why he sees caroline already like for episode one really i thought he they had them to those two meet a little early in the in the actual episodes as as it as they were to me i just thought it was like it, it, it just takes away Ballard's re- this holy grail he's chasing of Caroline um, throughout. It's just boom right away. Here, here she is, right there. Yes, you know. So yeah, 
didn't like it. And then, you know, she shot him. It's like, oh, well, well, right. well, but then, and I agree with everything you said. It takes away all of that tension that builds up on a week to week basis. Uh, you know, he gets a glimpse of her at that religious fanatic ranch, but, but no, not, not quite yet. You know, the, the fight in the alleyway, but still not quite yet. But like you said, right away, boom, here it is. But the interesting thing is that she shoots him three times, which Boyd was not aware of that she was given assassin skills. But the idea was she was supposed to kill him. Right. Right. So does she, miss on purpose that's the kind of the um that that's the insinuation right is that somehow caroline has reached up through the fog and has prevented her from from killing ballard okay but then charlotte pushes caroline out of the way and she goes to the hospital hijacks that car to finish the hit and this is where Boyd suggests the idea of a remote wipe. And Topher tells him that the orders from on high are to complete. In other words, take out Ballard. Right. Which, again, he's such a great character. Why do you want to take him out in the first episode? So you have to think that, you know, Joss had obviously a change of heart and decided, no, this is you know, going to be a great dynamic that we can build throughout the show. And then of course, to have the twist at the end where Ballard comes to work for the dollhouse. Right. So, yep. All right. Um, let's see what else, uh, you, you know, we were talking about Dr. Saunders and she seems pretty focused on echo and, you know, really all eyes are on her. DeWitt doesn't say it, but of course we're thinking now in retrospect, are they going to send her to the attic, which we don't really even know exists at this point? Right, right. But she, she you know, she's always threatening to compile a report, you know, and everything. So. <laughs> which, as Topher says, nobody reads. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, so then at the end, we see Echo in her sleep chamber, mouthing the word Caroline, and uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, again, it's we're, too we're, much. It, it too, is much too much. Too fast. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Anything else you want to bring up about this? Not really. Okay. I mean, since it's not canon, we don't have to dive into what this means and what that means and, you know, because it doesn't mean anything. So, yeah, the big picture. Right. Um, All right. You know, again, I mean, I, I get it. Like I said, I was totally prepared to be up in arms that, that this was never aired. But after watching, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense because it's just not good. It's, and if had they gone forward with this, no one would have watched the next episode. Because you know, it's just you know, or only the the really most devout of uh, you know Joss Whedon fans would would you know continue on. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you know. whoever gave this the thumbs down that they did so, and they went back to the drawing board. And they came up with a, a pretty darn good uh, pilot that, like the one they came up with. Do you want to assign it a letter grade? Um, I'm thinking like, I don't know, generously a C minus, but really, I think I'm going to give it a solid D. Oh, okay. Nah, I'd give it a C minus. Okay. There was still enough redeeming qualities. I'm, I'm probably judging it more based on it's comparing it to the actual pilot or the actual show. You know, it just doesn't measure up to that. But I guess 
if I'd never seen Dollhouse and I saw this by itself, I'd probably think it was uneven, but that it had some very redeeming qualities and some interesting ideas. You know, I would say the same. So, all right. Now, Wayne has his fantasy football league draft tonight. So, uh, yeah, that's fine. We, we did want to say a few things about the Game of Thrones finale and maybe the defenders, but we maybe will hold that till next week. Okay. Yeah, and, we can and, talk, man. I don't, I don't see myself. I think I'm deep in the first round. I don't think I have a pick for a while. So, okay. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about the Game of Thrones finale because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, you hear okay, a lot well, of First people- of all, let's say it, it, in case you're like that one person who actually hasn't seen Game of Thrones yet, just, I, I don't, I, I don't even know what to say to you, but, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be loads of spoilers here. So you, you've been warned. Wayne just gave you about a 30 second warning. So if you're still here, it's on you. All right. So yeah, anyway, on you. a lot of people I, I read critics, uh, fans felt season seven was a bit uneven. What? I, yeah. Right. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I, I really don't agree with that, but, uh, you know, and we're not going to go into a lot of detail here, but one of the things that my wife asked me and, and she doesn't really watch the show. I mean, she's in the room when I'm watching it and will ask questions. So she sort of knows what's going on. And she says, after I explained to her about John and Daenerys, she said, well, what's the deal with incest on this show? Yeah. Because she's clearly aware of Cersei and Jamie Lannister. Sure. And now to have Jon Snow and Daenerys. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they don't know that. And she's like, well, yeah, but, the writers do yeah sure and you know i mean that is kind of how house targaryen rolls like they are you know like they promote like i mean there's actually viserys who viserys i'm sorry who who is um daenerys's brother those two i think were kind of promised to each other uh you know viserys is killed early on in, in season one but yeah, we learn that you know, like the the Targaryens are just all of you know, incest is kind of like a normal thing, like brothers marrying sisters or close relatives marrying each other, and that's why we get you know rulers like the Mad King, you know, and everything. So, right. in the world of Game of Thrones, it's like not so unusual, but in the world of like in the world, it's still like a little icky. Yeah, I finally had to walk out of the room because anything I said was not going to satisfy her as an answer. So, so, uh, but I think the interesting thing is obviously going to be how will they play it once they find out, right? Because, like, that's what Brands told Sam. Like, you got to tell him, right? Yeah, that's going to be I, so awkward. You know, you can just imagine, hey, you're uh, Rhaegar's son, and they're just going to kind of, you just kind of see like John and Danny just kind of like sideways looking at each other as they take a step away from each other again and like cough or something. <laughs> now, now did you know the connection immediately? Because I, I mean, for me, I, I have known for a while, as I think any viewer of the show uh, has that clearly they're going to be related somehow. And, and I just wasn't sure. I mean, obviously she is his aunt and he, the nephew, but was that something that you knew right away that that was the connection? Well, I mean, I don't know what you mean by right away, but I mean, for sure we knew it last season when Bran 
goes into one of his visions and he sees Ned Stark, um, a young Ned Stark, going to rescue his sister and he you know, runs up into the tower. He you know, kills all those guys, runs up in the tower and his sister has just given birth to a baby and you know, and you know, they show the baby's face and then it, it fades into John's face. So we get there that John is the baby. Well, who's the dad? Well, we know this whole war was being fought because Rhaegar Targaryen stole Lyanna Stark. We, well, we we're told stole her and raped her and hid her away. Um, so that was the whole, you know, kind of like the impetus behind uh, Robert Baratheon's rebellion and, and his gaining the, the kingship. So at that, you know, so so at that episode last season, we know it, it, again it was only insinuated through film the cinematography, but we knew, and it was already like a thing, like people, the RT plus LS equals JS. Um, so, so so yeah, I mean, like that was like the least surprising reveal of the episode for me. Okay. All right. Well, what did this episode lack? Not much. It's about damn time for Peter Baelish, aka oh. Littlefinger. Yeah. It, yeah. It, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just how perfect that the Stark girls played the player. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome because, you know, we see him working Sansa and we're like, Oh man, she's buying this crap. You know, it's like she's still as as far as she's come. We think at that point she's still kind of the stupid girl who is easily manipulated and easily swayed, and then boom, you know, she just lowers the and up until she said the words Peter Baelish or Lord Baelish, where when she you know was sensing him to death, I was positive she was gonna, you know, she was talking about uh, Arya, you know. And then when she said his name instead, it was just like, damn. And, and Arya came about as close as she's ever come to smiling because right. you could just see the look on her face because she knows what she gets to do. Yeah. yeah. In, in well, a few she gets minutes. to cross someone off her list. Like her list is getting shorter by the minute. She's going to be out of people in, in not too long from now. Well, and the other thing I like about Sansa is that, and I think she even says this about herself in this episode, that she's not a quick learner. But she does learn. Yep. That's true. Um, well, we've got a dead dragon, which was a pretty well, powerful scene from the week before. Well, yeah. no, you see, Viserion is dead. Yes. Now he's a White Walker weapon. Right. See what I did there? I, I did see a WWW. Again, you know, we talked about what is Daenerys going to do when she finds out that Jon's her nephew? What's she going to do when she finds out her dragon? Yeah. That's and, really going to piss her off. But is the dragon going to have some recognition of its connection to her? Or is it just dead? I don't know, man. Like, how do you how do you take down an already dead dragon, you know? Like, it just, just boggles the mind, you yeah. know, the whole thing. And then just melting the wall like that? Oh my God, that that scene was crazy. Okay. Now you mentioned Bran, not one of my favorite characters. I, I really have not cared a whole lot for his arc throughout the series, 
So, I mean, is there something I'm missing about him? Well, he he's the three-eyed raven. Yeah, so what? I don't he's care. He's going to be pretty instrumental, I think, in, in the, the war against the dead. Okay. You know, he's, he's definitely like the uh the spy network for the north he, you know he can send the ravens out to to you know watch the army of the dead and see where they're going okay um and he can see everything and and certainly uncovering john's birth is a pretty significant event as well um, yeah of course you could argue that sam did that as well right well yeah right well sam like got the, the final piece right um sam did it through hard work yeah yeah brand just like touched a tree and yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right and and what of cersei's game plan i mean what the hell is she thinking uh she's ridiculous will she survive the series should she survive the series i mean you know i think everybody would agree peter baelish had to go at some point and i Right. Quite frankly, figured he would survive to season eight. I'm glad he didn't. We know Cersei was going to survive to season eight. Does she survive the series? And should she? Would that be such a shocker if she survives somehow? Not necessarily that she wins, but that she survives and lives to fight another day. I, yeah. I don't know. I I don't think so. She's she's built up too much negative emotions around her. For her to survive. Okay. And here I'm going to go out with my prediction now, which I'm sure I will forget by the time season eight rolls around, which will be sometime in 2019, probably. I don't know if it's coming back in 18 or not, but I don't know. I believe Jamie will be the one to kill her. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, yeah, I I could see that happening for sure. So I like, I I, I like Jamie. Like, see, I mean, Jamie Lannister to me is probably the most. Well, I shouldn't say the most, but one of the most fascinating characters because, and even the books as well, you know, he just starts off, I mean, he tries to kill Bran. That's like the first, we see him, you know, having sex with his sister and then he attempts to murder a little boy, right? And so right out of the gate, we're not feeling very warm and fuzzy about Jamie Lannister. Um, but then he goes through this whole, que- you know, not saying quest, but this whole journey and... uh you know, he he ends up being like kind of an okay guy, you know? Well, he's a, he's on that path. I mean, I think it's clear he recognizes who his sister really is. The fact that he's still in love with her, whatever, you know, it's there. But again, it's I think he's realizing, and I just think that she's going to do enough in season eight that he's just going to be in a situation where... He's going to be the one to do it. But uh, anything else you want to say about Game of Thrones? Well, I could probably talk about it forever and ever, but it was pretty amazing. It was just okay. really, it was awesome. And uh, you know, just I thought this season just had so much. Just like so, oh, first of all, so much happened, so much dramatic stuff happened, and then like just that that scene of the dragon melting the wall. It's just like shocking, you know. And then it's like so well done to boot, you know, it's like, it looks like, that's the thing that always amazes me, especially when I see the dragons, it's like, you know, this, it's a dragon. I know dragons don't exist, but yet 
it, you know, like I'm buying, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, that's, that's computer generated. That's animation. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it as, you know, like as I'm not questioning it. I'm not saying that looks fake. It's just, you, you totally buy it. It's just well done. Yep. So, all right. You got time to talk a little defenders. Sure. Okay. Uh, because I actually completed the series. You know, one of the first questions that I have is, has Marvel gone too far? I mean, in other words, are they running the risk of saturating the market too much? Uh, if I worked for Marvel, I would say there is no such thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I guess as long as people are watching and people are paying for Netflix so that they can watch, I guess uh, just keep cranking them out. Yeah. Um, you know, as a series, as, uh, you know, looking at the eight episodes as a whole, I think we we talked a little bit about uh, the first two episodes being a little slow, taking a little too much time to develop, but, but the story did kick into high gear and of the four, my favorite unquestionably is Jessica Jones. I just love her character. I, I, I love her, her series. Now I'm going to go back and I am going to watch Luke Cage and daredevil because Daredevil, you know, seeing him in the Defenders gave me a, a, a new appreciation for what he was all about. And, and so I do want to see that Luke Cage. I just never have gotten around to it since it it's, since it's been released. Well, I mean, well, I know you said you think it's the best of the four. Yes. Yeah. So Danny Rand and Iron Fist. Is there a more annoying <laughs> superhero? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I would call him a whiny little bitch, but that's an insult into whiny <laughs> little bitches. I mean, yeah. I think what struck me, I mean, look, I, I the story of the hand and, and Madame Gao and, and Bakudo and all, I mean, that was cool. And, and Scott Glenn's character, Stick, comes on board. I, I liked all that. But what really struck me as I was thinking about this after watching all eight episodes is one of the big strengths of this show is its secondary characters. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Colleen Wing. I mean, I loved her in Iron Fist, but I thought she was really great in this, as was Misty Knight, who, uh, again, I assume she's in Luke Cage. She right? is. She's a big, big part of Luke Cage. Yeah, absolutely. But her character, you know, that cop that's trying to operate within the law wanting to give these people that she trusts some rope but you know it, it just and unfortunately she you know loses her arm in the deal and, and you know it takes that I, I think for her to really believe what's going on uh and then claire rosario dawson again you know it, it and i love and i forget who says it to her it's like you're a superhero as well you know you can't stop bullets you can't do you but it's like and, and she really is, and and maybe even more of a hero, because she is mortal. And, and you see that, uh, like, you know, the big fight scenes. You're like, okay, all right, hold on. Uh, AJ Green, he's like the best. <laughs> I'm gonna take him. All right, hold on. Give me, give me a, okay. give me a call on the running back here, Vet. All right, how we got uh, M. Gordon and Jay Howard. Uh, I'd probably go with Howard. Okay. All right, man. 
All right, I had so two re- picks in a row there. So oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So to return to the defenders, um, you know, and then Malcolm. I mean, you know, one of the things I love about Malcolm, and, and again, defenders. You know, my wife's sitting on the couch, so she kind of sees what's going on, and she hasn't seen Jessica Jones yet, and I think she will like that because there's not a lot of fighting in it. And, you know, again, as I've right. said many times, I'm not big on the fight scenes. So, you know, maybe I'm in the wrong <laughs> wrong place. But, right. but, but, but no, you're right. Like Jessica Jones is, is awesome because it's like, it's almost like a psychological thriller, right? Yeah, like it's yes. all like a, a um, fighting for her mind. Yes. Right. And, and, and you see why she's so broken. And, and I just, I just really love that. But I love the fact that Malcolm was more broken than she was and yet she is the one that helps him kick his habit and now he's doing well and and that scene at the end when we find out that he has replaced the window on her door it's like oh my god that was so awesome yeah 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 Yeah. um her friend trish walker you know we don't see her a lot no but I, i i love you know, her line, and again, I forget who she's saying it to. Um, I think she's saying it to Karen that she's a great friend, but not in the traditional sense. Right. Right. She'll never be on time. She'll, you know, she'll never remember yeah. your birthday or whatever. Well, but that's the, a, one of the first scenes where in like the first episode where like they have the coffee and she's like, does this have whiskey? It just, oh, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, Yeah. Um, and, and Karen and, and, and again, I'm sure she was developed a lot more in daredevil. You know, we don't see her a lot here, but, but just how she's so torn about what it is she knows about Matt Murdoch. Right. And, and I am assuming that she's in love with him as well. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the whole thing is like especially with Foggy and Karen, which I like them as characters, but they're always like, you know, like they don't get why Matt does what he has to do, you know? Right. Or they think he, they think he likes doing it. You know, they don't see it as something he feels compelled to do. So they're always giving them crap for it. It's just after a while it gets old, you know? Right. And I guess that's one of the things that the, the series focuses on, the fact that Jessica, uh, fine, I'll help. I don't yeah. want to, but can I get a beer first? Right. <laughs> uh, and and Luke, on the, on the one hand, he wants to help, but just on his own terms. Right. And, and, and you know, in Harlem, in his neighborhood, and, and that's that's admirable. You get that, but it's bigger than that. Uh, you know, you you mentioned Matt Murdock, who really wants to put the suit aside, but how much of that has to do with what happens to Electra? Right, because yeah. she dies in the right. series. Yes. And obviously is now brought back to life and, and that whole idea that I can change you. Right. Which, you know, again, I mean, we, it's certainly a a storyline we've seen in a lot of, you know, male female relationships over the years and all sorts of situations that no, you really can't. Yeah, and, and you know, Matt with well, the whole Daredevil thing is is permeated by Matt's Catholicism and, you know, his belief in redemption, you know, for not just Electra, not just himself, but, you know, for loads of people. Right. Now, I, as I've said many times, have read zero comics, so I don't know if you have any background. So I'm I'm not even going to say what I read, though. 
about you know where Matt is at the end of the series. We, you know, we obviously see him in a bed being tended to by a nun. And right. That's all we know. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I know what the speculation is based on the comics, but I, I'm not going to say. I'll let if you want to go find that out, you can. They have this thing called the internet. You can go look it up. Um, <laughs> Alexandra's character. I'm not a Sigourney Weaver fan, but she was awesome in this. Wow. Why are you not a Sigourney Weaver fan? Well, maybe because number one, I. I okay. You know, I can I can feel the flames getting <laughs> hotter at the moment, but uh, Ghostbusters might be the stupidest movie I've ever seen. Wow! There, there I, said I, it. I, I literally am have to rewind my memory and pretend you never said that. Okay. Uh, secondly, that was that was one of the most hurtful things you've ever said to me, Dave. I'm not an alien fan. How's that? <laughs> oh my god. Ah, that might be. It's not as bad, but it's up there, buddy. Uh, wow. Anyway, but uh, the, the character of Electra, I wasn't quite sure what to make of her. And, and again, if I'd had the backstory from uh, Daredevil, it would have probably helped, but I certainly grew to appreciate her character and, and, you know, really see, you know, the, the, the conflicts that she was feeling because, you know, I think at one point somebody says something bad about Matt and doesn't she kill him? I can't even remember exactly what happened, but you know, the fact that she takes over and now she's in charge. I really like that. But then the question, and maybe it's rhetorical, is she alive at the end of episode eight? Is the answer, well, duh, of course. <laughs> I don't know. What, what's, what was Electra's deal at the end of episode eight? Well, I mean, she was in the building when it collapses. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, okay. Should, should be, <laughs> all right. I mean, if fine. he got out. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, she he got, got out, out, she's all right. So, all right. But uh, I guess the problem with all of these Marvel shows is you have to wait so long for the next yeah, season of whichever one. They have pretty good turnover on these shows, though. You know, like they, they kick them out a pretty good clip. They do. I guess Jessica Jones is the next one that's coming up uh, of these four. Nice. So anyway, uh, so, you know, overall, I really enjoyed the Defenders. They could have knocked out a lot of the fight sequences and I'd have been happy. But as I said to my wife, uh, I'm in the minority there. I understand it. I just turned the volume way down during the fight scenes. <laughs> I'm seriously, I do. Anyway, except if it's Colleen, then I, yeah, right. then yeah. I perk up. Yeah, she's good. All <laughs> right. Anyway, anything else about the Defenders? Uh, No. It's really good. I liked it. Right. Good quality. Right. Not like again, Luke Cage for me still is the gold standard, but uh Defenders was a nice uh nice little addition to the Marvel universe. All right, good stuff. So uh, a lot of our shows are having season finales. We've got the Killjoys season finale this Friday, which is when uh this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch will drop. Check it out of the Friday night sci fi shows. It's clearly by far the best. Dark Matters season finale was good. Winona Earp season finale, meh. But Killjoys just killed it. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're entitled to your position. Yeah, you just, you just, 
You just said you didn't like Ghostbusters, so really kind of everything else that follows, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, uh, good luck with your draft the rest of the evening. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dollhouse, anything else in genre TV. We'd encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get through the website. And we're going to be back next week to talk about the pilot episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. But until then, Dave, you inspire terrible pity. Watch your back.